This is the Living Fearless Today podcast, a show that helps men like you and me who are struggling to get unstuck and overcome fear to live confidently and courageously. I'm your host and transformation coach, Mike Forrester, helping you create the change you want now. Join me as I interview men who've conquered their challenges and soared to success as they spill their secrets on how they live fearless today. Well, hello and welcome back, my friend. And this week I'm bringing you a friend, Chris Comer. Chris and I have had the opportunity to to really delve into each other's lives over the years and uh, even, you know, came together actually because of a an author that I absolutely love. And so does Chris and looking forward to you hearing about that. But uh, we ended up going to a conference down in Orange Beach. He and I, along with our wives, had an amazing time. And so Chris is a great man, and I'm really looking forward to our conversation and just talking about where he's he's been, what he's doing, and where he's going. So, um, yeah, Chris, how are you doing today, my friend? I'm doing well, Mike. Thank you for having me. Hey, my pleasure, man. Been looking forward to this one for a while. So, uh, as well, yeah. Glad to bring it together. Hey, Chris, if we could, can we talk about uh, where you are today professionally? Like, what is what does life on the business side look like for you? Well, obviously, uh, you know, we would all like business to be better and booming, but uh, uh, we're doing well over here doing some marriage and financial coaching and uh, about to launch a massive project with uh, Andy Andrews that we've been working on for about a year now called the Life Skills Project. And basically bringing uh, a few of Andy's best selling books to an online one-on-one course, not one-on-one, but in a group setting um, to really dive deep into to the books that he's been asked for years to do and he just hasn't had time. So he's he's picked a few of his friends uh, and I just am astounded and honored to be one of those guys that, that he chose to, to do this project with. Yeah, and I'm like, you and I have have loved his books. He's one of my favorite authors and you consume just like books, like so deep. So I'm excited to, to hear, you know, like what you've captured out of the one, uh, let's see, which one are you going with the notice or returns? I believe, right. The notice or returns. Correct. Yeah. Perfect. Um, what does life look like for you on the personal side, my friend? I, uh, you know, I feel like my wife and I have reached a point where, we spend as much time together as possible, which may not be as healthy as, as uh, some people would think it would be, but uh, <laughs> we live in a, in a tiny home and travel the country and uh, we're more in love than we've ever been and, and just supporting each other and building each other up every day, man. Yeah. I'm like, I think it's much like my, like Kathy and I with, with you and your wife where you're, you, you love each other. You want to spend time. I mean, it's like your best friend. Right. And, uh, you know, it's like just being in each other's presence is a great thing. And so uh, it's done in a healthy way. Absolutely. Well, Hey, if we could, can we go ahead and start on, uh, like some of the, the stuff, like when you've done like car, uh, I don't know, what do I call it? Restoration. There you go. I'm like, it's not rebuilding. (laughs) Yeah. We, 
I, uh, I, I had a moment of insanity when I was about 30 years old and started a business restoring classic cars. And I did that for uh, almost 18 years. And it just kind of got to a point where I didn't feel like that was my calling anymore. How did you get into that? I mean, that's, that's something that I'm like, I, I have no skills to bring to that table. I mean, how did you get there? Well, uh, I guess when I was 13, my, I bought my first car and my dad and I rebuilt it kind of, you know, not really from the ground up, but we, we did a lot of work with it. It was a bank repo and needed a lot of, a uh, tender, loving care. It was a Camaro. And, uh, you know, in the late eighties, man, a, a guy with a mullet and a Camaro, I mean, that was, you, you couldn't ask for anything better in the late eighties, you know? So you were like the chick magnet. Is that what I'm understanding? No, I mean, definitely was not, but I was trying to be, <laughs> Oh man. And so did you continue to, to work on cars and that's how you got your, your ability yeah. to do the, the restoration? I did. I, you know, it was just a hobby that I tinkered with through the years. And, uh, you know, for a lot of years I was a paramedic and a deputy County coroner, and just, you know, it was kind of did that in the evenings or the sides and, um, got to a point where I didn't want to be in, in, in emergency medicine anymore. And so I started, you know, a couple of different businesses and, and did really well with them. And so, uh, and then that just kind of grew to, from a small, I don't know, 800, 900 square foot shop to end up having 8,000 square foot of shop space and, and, uh, you know, all the equipment necessary to build show winning six figure cars. So, mm. so what's, what's required for something like that, man? Cause for me, it's like, I just look at my car out in the driveway. I put wax on it and I'm cold right, and I'm good right. to go. Right. I mean, when you're well, you know, show, show, show ready or what's, what's the term you used? Uh, I mean, award-winning, you know, and, okay. and not that we went to any major shows. Like I didn't, I didn't win any, um, I can even think of the high, high end ones now, but you know, we were, we were building nice cars and, um, customers were happy. And so, you know, it's just one of those things that I enjoyed doing it, but it got to be too much work and, and more hours in a week than I wanted to put into it. So, yeah, I understand. Now you continued on doing great in the business, turning out quality work. Right. And then it's like, you got to a certain point, you've got that, that shop. What, what happened as far as the notice that you received? Um, kind of all of a sudden. So in uh, January of 2014, we, you know, I'd been going 10 years at that point and had another five years on my lease. And so really um, just anticipated on continuing the way we were, possibly growing a little bit. We finally got my wife through college and and felt like that was going to be, you know, for lack of better words, a pay raise because um, we weren't paying for college and she was going to go to work and you know, things were going to get grand and had a gentleman come walk in my door and tell me I had 30 days to get my stuff and get out because they had bought the property and, and we're going to tear it all down. I mean, this is a, a, a warehouse, um, complex building complex, about 30 businesses were displaced with 30 days notice. And so it, you know, we were all competing for, for space and there wasn't a lot of space like that in the area we were in. And so we, uh, you know, we ended up in a building that needed a lot of work and it was, you know, we ended up in a different town and didn't know the government there or the, you know, the way they worked or whatever. And it just really turned, uh, 
into a nightmare, <laughs> quite frankly. Well, and so you said you were in an 8,000 square foot area, right? As far right. as your shop. Right. How much, I mean, give me an idea, like what does that entail in 30 days that you've got to try and move? So we had, I think, three cars completely disassembled at the time, which, you know, you take a car like in your garage, it takes up an eight by 20 space, roughly. When you tear one apart, it takes up about three or 400 square feet, um, at least, you know. Um, so we had to move all those cars in parts, trying to keep up with parts, trying to make sure we didn't lose anything. A lot of the stuff is not, you know, you can't find it. Uh, it's not easily replaced. Some of it is, some of it's not, but, um, and then we had the equipment. We had two major lifts, you know, a four post lift, a two post lift. Um, I mean, I had a fabrication table that probably weighed 1800 pounds mm. and, you know, a paint booth that was, takes about a week to disassemble and about three weeks to reassemble. And, uh, you know, it was just, I mean, it was a lot in 30 days for three guys to do. Yeah. So your life is turned upside down. Absolutely. Um, like what's going through your mind at that point? Cause I mean, we've established you've got a month to get out right. of there and, and, and it's going to take you time to move it, break it down, reassemble everything. So, you know, like you're way behind on work schedule. I mean, like, absolutely. And, uh, you know, it ended up, we, we ended up getting a few, little bit more than 30 days because we were tied into a lease. Um, but still it wasn't, you know, it wasn't very much more. And, uh, you know, it really, it I really was found myself at a crossroads of, I had two buildings I was looking at. One was a smaller building in a not so great neighborhood with zero exposure. Um, and the other building was right on a major thoroughfare with, you know, a little bit more square footage than what I had. Um, you know, 40, 50,000 cars a day passing by. And so it was like asking myself, if I don't do this kind of work, what do I do? And I, I just couldn't answer the question. So I simply made the decision to try to go big uh, and try to expand the services and try to, you know, bring on more employees. And that turned out to be a very futile attempt, uh, a detrimental attempt, I should say for a number of reasons, well, the, probably the main one being dealing with the city that we moved to. Hmm. So you, how many employees did you have at that time? Um, before we moved, I had two. And after we moved, I had as many as five. Wow. So this isn't just you and your family you're impacting. It's right. No, no. Right. So what happened as far as like work culture? I mean, did things change there? It, it terribly, uh, the building we moved to, I, and I didn't know it when I released it, but it had been sitting empty for about five years and was in much disrepair. It took four times the amount of money to get it up to code, um, for, to please the city than we ever anticipated. And not, not only to mention the time involved. So we were six months closed down for six months, basically just trying to satisfy the city. You know, they'd come in and every, every time they come in, they would find something new they wanted us to do. And instead of just giving me a, a punch list all at once and let me get that done, you know? Yeah. 
So you've uh, got more expenses, you're closed down. So you're not bringing in money. I mean, like that's, that's gotta be stressful in the yeah. fact, like you're stressed out, but then how did it impact your marriage and like your, your relationship at home? Fortunately, I have a very understanding wife um, that doesn't throw axes at me, you know, if she's not happy with me, but I, it, it took a toll that we didn't realize at the time. And we didn't realize it for a couple of years after the fact. Um, it, it just really, I mean, she was working, you know, 70 plus hours a week at that point. And uh, for a corporate job, you know, we had four, three, three kids at home, three to four kids at home uh, still at the time. And so she was burdening all that load. You know, she was taking care of the house and taking care of the kids. And for the most part, because of us being shut down, she was taking care of, you know, keeping our, keeping us afloat. Uh, and so that, that presents a huge burden on, you know, uh, someone that just started a new career, basically. Now, when you said it, it took like a couple of years to kind of even see how things impacted you. Like, what do you mean? Like, cause I guess I most we, of us think like things will pop up. If there's a problem, I'm going to see the problem now, but I mean, that's not always the case. And it's not. Um, and, and probably because we weren't the best at communicating before then. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think we both were just, I don't want to say existing, but we, you know, we, we were, we were trying to support each other the best we could, but we had almost zero focus on us and our marriage. Um, and that, I mean, it really started surfacing. Those problems started surfacing years later. Gotcha. So you got the 30 days notice, then it's taking like six months to like get things up and running. Right. Um, once it's up and running, what, what do things look like at that point? And I mean, how are, well, how are you doing? Well, <laughs> uh, you know, I had just quit. I just remembered too. I just quit smoking before all this stuff started too. So uh, oh my gosh. <laughs> let's, let's just uh, compound the pressure. Here. Yeah, uh, yeah. We, we quit smoking June of 2013 and this started in, in, in January of 14, but, uh, probably a good thing for my health wise and, and our finances both. But nonetheless, you know, I mean, it was really taking its toll on me. It felt like everything I did, if I turned right, I should have turned left. If I went up, I should have went down. If, I mean, it was literally, I felt like I need to make a decision and then do the opposite because, <laughs> you know, and I know, I know people, uh, I talk to people all the time now that feel that way in their life. And then, you know, they just feel like, man, I just can't make a catch a break or make the right decision or, you know, and, and of course, 20, you know, uh, hindsight's 2020 and looking back, I can say, you know what? Every decision I was having to make was a decision from a point of desperation. Mm. And that is the absolute worst place to make a decision from whether that's a money decision, a life decision, a business, whatever the case is, it's the worst place to make a decision from. So if you're in that place, and I mean, it is a desperate situation, how do you make a decision without it being 
from a place of desperation or can you? I think um, you can. I think if, if you're aware that that's what's happening and I just wasn't at the time, again, you know, hindsight being 2020, knowing that now it's changed how I think it's changed how I make decisions. And so instead of making those decisions based on today, what, whatever situation I've got myself in today, I look at it and make a decision from if everything were ideal, would I make that decision? Would I decide to go that direction? If I were making the money I need to make, if everything was running smoothly, whatever the case may be. And I think it gives you a lot of insight on um, how to make a better decision. Yeah. So is it kind of removing like the stress and, and frustration in absolutely that way? Absolutely. Yes. And it, it takes some, um, mastery. It takes some, uh, practice to do this, you know, and I'm, I'm still working on it, man. I'm still, I'm not going to say I've mastered it whatsoever, but I think the, you know, the first step was identifying that that's where the bad decisions were coming from. And so, yeah, I, I get it. <laughs> it's one of those of trying to, to remove yourself from the chaos and, yes. and, and the feelings of being overwhelmed and lost. I mean, right. I really get it. I and mean, your identity is wrapped up in everything. And oh my what gosh. I'm hearing, that was kind of where you were questioning it at that point and then trying to traverse this situation, right? Yes. And I'll never forget. I, I had a young lady working for me. Uh, when, when we moved the first time and I bless her heart, she was doing everything in her power to help me in any way she could. And she was trying to pack up my office and I absolutely bit her head off, mm-hmm. uh, you know, because I felt like I was the one that needed to pack up my office. So I would know where things were and how to find things, but we were running out of time for me to do that. And so, <laughs> you know, after I would really, I did apologize to her after the fact, but I would, at the moment I was so frustrated. I'm like, this is my entire life that we're dismantling here. And you're right. It was my identity. It's who I was. Uh, and there's a lot to be learned from that as well. Don't, don't allow your identity to be fully in your professional career. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of one dimensional. It's like looking at the scale and just going, I'm not in the uh, weight range I want to be when it's like, you know, there's so many other factors to look at. Right. Um, yeah. You know, where's, where's your body at health wise and what does your physique look like and everything else. So, I mean, it's, yeah. it's just that one dimensional uh, kind of measurement of life. Right. So, so six months later, you got things up and running. How are things going from there? I mean, like, what it like, it was like? cumbersome. I had a couple of new employees. We were in a new space that, you know, it was one of those things where I told you we were, we were all competing for similar space mm-hmm. and there were, there were things about this particular building I moved to that kept me up at night a couple of times going, I just don't know if that's going to work. And I'm concerned about this and I'm concerned about that. And all those were, I found very valid and legitimate concerns. So our processes just did not work as well in that building. I mean, we were, we were struggling to get back into the flow for six months, you know, uh, of being basically forced to be shut down. Yeah. 
Um, it didn't help that matter, but, you know, just trying to get back into a good flow and, and get our processes back. We were trying to add some new things. It was too much at one time, uh, essentially. And then things are going along. You had another fun surprise. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't know how much of a surprise it was. We, we ended up having to leave the building. We just could not, um, we could not get our keep ourselves covered in that building. The the rent was four times what I had been paying before. I had more labor and you know labor expense. I had more utility expense. I mean everything was three to four times what I had been paying, and and the workflow had <laughs> decreased and so bad that it just there just wasn't. I just couldn't do it, and so we we ended up leaving that building um, and finding another one that you know, was closer to what I had before. Unfortunately, that building wasn't available when I needed it uh, the first time around. But, you know, things work out the way they're supposed to for a reason. Uh, And again, going through that move and having to tear all that stuff down and get moved in a short amount of time, and that was partly by choice, um, left me thinking, gosh, where, why am I still doing this? I mean, I felt literally insane at, at some points, you know, of just trying to do all this with just myself and, you know, one or two other guys. Um, and so when I moved, you know, we got moved, we got set back up fairly quickly. Thankfully that building was better equipped for what we needed. And it had the right power to it. You know, it had, <laughs> uh, it was just an open space that we could set up our own, workflows and all that but um you know i still that that lingering question of if i didn't do this what would i do and this time i had an answer and there was it was as plain as day like god was sitting next to me telling me chris you need to be a coach i have put you through the fire he still put me through the fire for a reason you have learned you have you have taken several times to learn certain things but you have started to learn and this is where i want you and so i kind of uh questioned that as you know i'm sure there were people in in days of old that you know are you sure i mean am i that guy i'm not sure i built cars you know but uh yeah he, I was, he was sure. I mean, there was no question he was, he kept showing me and he led people to me and, and to test me, I think. And I was able to help them. And I said, okay, okay. So this is what we're doing. Well, I had obligations to the car business that I had to wrap up first. Right. And so while I'm doing that, I start researching what it takes to become a coach. What, what does it mean to be a coach? What does that look like? Like I, I was completely, I'd never had a coach. That was my first mistake. As you and I know how important coaches are. Uh, and not long after, like we moved in, in May. Yeah, we, we moved, moved May of 16. I really kind of felt this all pulling to me, you know, calling to me late June, middle of June. My birthday was August in the middle of August and my mom, we were 
we were visiting my parents for my birthday at the lake. And she's like, I got a video I need to show you. And so she pulls up a video on YouTube and it's of Andy Andrews doing the uh, amazing grace and different to different tunes. And I just was blown away by, you know, of course it's, it's a comical video and immediately started researching who Andy was in, in his work and dove head first into all of his books, his podcasts. I listen to his podcast every day. Um, I think there were at the time, 240 or 50 episodes that I chewed through in about a month and a half. So, mm. uh, <laughs> and they, were, they weren't terribly short episodes either. So, and that kind of started clarifying a lot of things for me as far as, be, you know, my journey to become a coach. Um, yeah. Um, in fact, I think it wasn't long after learning who he was and listening to his podcast, I reached out to, to their team and found to find out, get some input on my business, you know, and, and how do I, even in the thought of closing it down, how do I do this in a way that's honorable and that takes care of my customers uh, that I was already obligated to, but also have the time and the energy <laughs> to pursue this new, you know, this new course of careers. So, and I don't, I don't think um, I never got on the podcast with that question, but they did offer me, uh, you know, a lot of good content and materials that um, led me to, to learn about, you know, things to do in business and, and ways of conducting business and, you know, and, and really just open my eyes to a whole nother way of doing life. Um, and so <laughs> of course when I met you and, and uh, you know, and some other really quality people and I'll tell you, man, to, of all the things that have happened since August of 16, by far the best thing has been the quality of people that have come into my life that, that were missing. And I had no idea how important that was, you know, to my everything, to my well being, to my mental health, to just that support system of people that were really uh, cheering for me to, to succeed. Hi, Coach Mike here. Hey, thanks so much for listening to the Living Fearless Today podcast. Man, if you're struggling with your worth, feeling you're not enough, and playing small, honestly, this isn't your lot in life. There is more available to you beyond this podcast to help you uncover your worth, feel respected, be confident, and play bigger in all areas of your life. Grab a time at highcoachmike.com forward slash book a call to set up a complimentary session on where you're at today, who you want to be, and how you can live the life you've been desiring. Again, head on over to highcoachmike.com forward slash book a call and take that first step towards your life transformation. So as you've, you know, you're listening to the podcast, you're changing um, like almost like your identity, what you've believed, everything else that goes along with that. Absolutely. How did it change how you felt um, about you and how did it then change like your marriage and parenting? I mean, I definitely was taking a lot of what Andy was talking about and applying it to every area of my life. Uh, you know, and anytime he would mention a book or, a, you know, a, another speaker or somebody, 
I would, I would go out and buy it immediately. You know, and one of the first books I remember, uh, he mentioned that I bought was love and respect by, uh, eager. I can't remember the Emerson Eggridge. Thank you. Emerson Eggridge. And, uh, <laughs> that was eye opening as far as from a marriage perspective. It's a great what, book. What was so impactful in that book for you that, that impacted you and your wife? I, I think for me, it was the realization of as us, us men, we, we, we have to have respect. Um, and I don't mean that in a, a demanding, like you better give me respect, but, but like, at that the, wouldn't our, work so well for either of us. No, no, no. Um, <laughs> at our core, that's what we need to thrive. Yeah. We need to feel and, and we need to feel like we're respected by yes. our, by our wives. We never question our wife's love, right? We just, we take for granted, unfortunately, that they love us. Uh, but, but their respect is, you know, we're still the five-year-old kid. Hey mom, look at me, you know, I'm riding the bike with no hands and, uh, where women absolutely have to have that love. They have to have the love shown. They have to have it told. They have to be told that they're loved. They have to be shown that they're loved. Uh, us men, we don't, you know, we're like, okay, whatever you love me. (laughs) I'm just thinking is like, if you and I went to either of our wives and demanded respect, it's like, Oh, dude, that's yeah. going to end we'll be, poorly. <laughs> we'll be laughed out of the room. <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, the respect is there, but the demanding aspect, it's like uh, they're no, both no. very, yeah. they're, they're both very uh, strong-willed and self-assured. And I'm pretty sure we would both be kicked out of the room. Yeah, so. absolutely. Yeah, no, I would, I, and I would never do that. Uh, <laughs> I know you wouldn't. I'm just sitting there. When you said, you know, I'm not demanding, re, you know, demanding you respect me. It's like, yeah, we wouldn't fare well on that. Right. I, I think it's just the realization, and for you know, a wife too, just how important verbalizing that is to a man. I mean, I'm not, you know, even if if you have all the respect for your husband in the world, if you're not verbalizing that to him, he doesn't, he doesn't know it. He just doesn't there. He just doesn't know it. And so, you know, and, and like I said, we're the five-year-old on the bicycle with, you know, no hands, we have to have recognition and, and, uh, reassurance that, you know, I see you and, and you're doing a good job. Yeah. Right. The pat on the back and, and that's right. Boosting you up, up and, encouraging you out the door <laughs> you bet. Yeah. Yeah. it's like keeps you fighting um so so that helps you in your in your marriage there as he andy had talked about um you know love and respect um how did you see things because you're still at that point owning you know the restoration how did it right. change things as far as the work culture i think i started um I mean, I know I started, I started treating my employees very differently and really trying to be, um, you know, and I could see issues in their lives that I felt I could, could help them with, or or maybe just be a support to their life, you know, a positive influence in their lives. And, and, uh, instead of just trying to, you know, demand that, look, we got to get this work done. It's got to be quality. It's got to be top notch. You know, I mean, if, if a guy came in late or if he was, um, hung over or, you know, something of that nature, we'd have a conversation about it. You know, what, what's going on? I mean, why, why are you here, uh, in this condition or, you know, 
how can I help? I mean, and you'd be surprised. They'll open up to you um, and they'll, they'll tell you, and it may be something very simple looking at it from the outside, but they just need the right word or the right, you know, encouragement. Yeah. And I was going to say, you've got a teacher's heart. So, I mean, it comes through where it's like, Hey, I I want to help you. I want to encourage you and empower you. And so, yeah, I can totally see that. Um, So you started listening to Andy implementing these changes. Like where did things go from there? Cause you, you talked about, you know, that you're doing the financial and the marriage coaching. Right. Um, I mean, how did that progress? um, So the, you know, like I said, with knowing that I was being called to coach, but not knowing what that looked like as I continue to listen to Andy um, started digging up some old zig videos and, and podcasts, man, Zig, you just can't beat the way I can listen to him talk all day. And, uh, now you uh, and I know who Zig is. Can you clarify? Zig Ziglar? Yes. Yeah. Uh, okay. you know, he was probably one of the best motivational speakers ever, honestly. And, uh, if you haven't heard of him, you need to look him up on YouTube or TikTok or whatever it is you use. Cause he's out there. All of his stuff is out there and it's gold still today. It's relevant and it's gold. Um, and so I kind of researched what was going on with, with, you know, the Ziegler, I didn't know what it was at the time, but it turns out the Ziegler corporation and found out they have a, a program for uh, being trained to teach a lot of the stuff Zig taught and kind of get their stamp of approval and, uh, you know, be a certified coach through them and trainers through them. So I went through that program. Uh, I don't even remember now. I think February of 18, February of 2018. Um, and then, you know, went through the Dave Ramsey uh, master coach class. I mean, the, the moving a business twice of, the, of that size, even though we weren't a large business, we're still a very small business. Um, but nonetheless, it took its toll on us financially. And so Dave's program, I really just dove into that and figured out I was really good at finding solutions to money issues. Um, and so, you know, once I went through his course and kind of started down that path, my own path, that's when I took the the master coaching class. Uh, and so I felt like I could help other people and, and it just, I mean, it still today, it blows me away. I can, you know, somebody will call me and they're just in tears and I can have a five minute conversation with them and we found a solution to their problem, you know, and, and not all, I mean, not all problems. I'm talking about a, uh, an immediate type crisis issue, but, you know, obviously if there's a more systemic issue, it takes longer than five minutes to, to fix and find a solution to, but, uh, you know, for, I don't know. Anyway, it's just, it's a very humbling experience to be able to help somebody in that way. Well, I, I can say from, from experience that it's like when you have a financial problem, you're also having a marital problem because it just runs. 100%. Yeah. It, it runs so deep and it, the emotions just flow. Right. So being able to step in like you're talking about, I mean, it can be a game changer because I know that with Kathy and I, it was, <laughs> it was ugly at times, you know, <laughs> where it's like, okay, 
uh, let's see, the car has a problem. We don't have enough money to pay this bill. Okay. That makes us late on this bill. And, you know, I mean, it just became like a snowball. And then on top of that, you know, I'm, I'm feeling insecure and frustrated. And so I'm yelling at her and, you know, she doesn't like the fact I'm biting her head off. So it's like, just, yeah, it was, it was a fantastic date. I mean, you can just imagine, you know, (laughs) (laughs) so that's what I found, you know, I mean, really, uh, I just, I just opened my heart to God and, and let him lead me and, you know, it turned out he led me to want or to to coach couples on their marriage and their finances. You know, and I've had a few coaches, experienced coaches, uh, that tell me I need to I need to do one or the other. I don't need to do both. And I'm like, I see such correlation between the health of the marriage and the health of the finances, and they are interdependent. Like there is, there is not one without the other. And if, if we can get the marriage healthy, the finances will come because if guy is going to work, worried about what his wife said to him that morning or what he said to her or what he's got to come home to at five 30 that evening, he's not going to be productive at work. He's not going to be a hundred percent. And so it, it just really plays into our marriage plays into every aspect of our life. And if we can, if we can get that base, that foundation working properly, everything else will start falling into place. Well, and I can't imagine I'm the only one that ever did this where I would go and buy something. And then because I bought something, then Kathy would go buy something, you know, and, and I know I'm not the only one that does that, but it's the whole tit for tat who can run to the bottom faster and get out of money. You know, it's like, Oh, you spent 50 bucks. Okay. I'm going to go spend 60 bucks. You know, you bought this for you. I'm going to go buy this for me. And yeah, it's not a productive uh, game to play. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's not. It's not at all. Oh my gosh, man. But yeah, I mean, that was just where we were at. And I know other couples, you know, that's, it's one of those, if you're, you're trying to medicate in the process to make yourself feel better. But right. then, then your spouse is also sitting there going, well, if you get to enjoy this, I want to do this for me. And right. um, man, I can look back at it and see almost how much hurt I was causing through trying to, trying to, to medicate for myself. And at times it did become just a straight out attack where it was, you know, I'm going to go spend this because I know that it won't make you happy. And right now I'm not happy. So I don't want you to be happy. Right. So they're, they're definitely tied together. Um, yes. You know, there's, there's roots in, in each of them from the other. So I told Absolutely. you wisdom in it. Well, as, as you went through um, Dave Ramsey and then with Zig Ziglar, their programs, getting certified coaching there and then doing the coaching. Um, then you and I continued to move forward. You know, like I said, took our wives. We went down to, to Orange Beach, Alabama. I got to hear Andy talk. And now you're at a point um, where life is very different for you. And, right. and now you're getting ready to, to, to lead this, this program that Andy's got. And like, what is, what does that look like? Gosh, you know, 
I tell people a lot that if I had tried to start a relationship with Andy as, as a friend uh, on my own, it would have, it, if I had tried to design that, it would have never worked, right? This was 100% a God thing. Um, I mean, there were just like things that happened, opportunities that put us in the same place at the same time. And, and we just found out we, we understood each other very well. And, uh, and, you know, it's, it, um, I don't know, you know, you just, you meet somebody and you kind of know those are my people. And I don't know if he felt that way, but I surely did. And got to, you know, get to know the real Andy. I mean, not the Andy is about as real as you get, but you know, the on a per, more personal level, um, and, uh, went down in our conversations, I had mentioned to him once about, or more than once, probably that I would love to learn to coach under him, you know, or, or learn some of his ways of doing things. And hurricane Sally happened in uh, September of 2020, I think now, I think that's right. And so, um, you know, and I reached out to them and said, Hey, you know, what do you need? I mean, I'm, 12 hours away, but I can be there in the morning. And so I loaded up with generators and, you know, tarps and gasoline and water and ice and all the things you would need if you have no power and no water and whatever, and took off down there. And so spent some time with them, helping, helping them, helping some other people in the Orange Beach area uh, after Hurricane Sally. And that evening, the first evening I was there, we, we were having dinner and he's like, you know, that coaching thing, I've got something for you. Uh, he said, we're, we're still going to do something. I was like, oh, that, that'd be great. Now, of course, I'm tired. I'm, you know, you're in a hurricane situation. I've had, I've been up to water to my hips all day long. I'd, <laughs> but nonetheless, I was thankful for the conversation and the, and the wonderful meal they've prepared uh, on their Kamado Joe's. I tell you, I make you jealous a little bit, but. <laughs> Uh, I've got one in my backyard. So yeah, that's, right. um, but anyway, and then a few months later, that was in, in September in, in April of last year, he called me. He's like, Hey, you know, what, which of all my books, what is your favorite? And I said, Oh, hands down the notice of returns. And so he told me what the plan was. And uh, he said, I want you to design a course that would take about eight weeks to complete over the, the notice of returns and, and give it, send it to me so I can see what that would look like. And so I did that and uh, come to find out I'm one of six coaches that are, you know, picked up. Each of us have a different book and uh, he's calling it, we've, we're calling it the life skills project. And uh, man, I'm just excited to be here and honored, honored by Andy. He has just really built me up and been a great mentor and a friend and uh I just, I don't even know how I got here, but here I am and, and blessed to be here. <laughs> yeah. And I, I fully understand like mine is bottom of the pool, which is, I don't know if you can see the picture. Yeah. Can't see the picture, but that is the picture from the Olympics of the long jumper that he talks about in bottom right. of the pool, you know, having wings on his mind. Right. And, um, so yeah, for me, it's like, I totally get what you're talking about. Like with Andy's yeah. book. So in, in the course that you're teaching coming up, like, what did, what do you get out of it? Because you've talked about your life changing. So what in that would be 
life-changing or, or guiding, you know what I mean? Yes. Uh, and this is actually from the noticer, but in the first chapter of the noticer, it talks about when Andy was homeless mm-hmm. and living under the pier at the Gulf state park at the Gulf state pier. And when he first encounters Jones and Jones brings lunch one day and it's Vienna sausages and, uh, sardines, maybe and some crackers, I think. And so they're eating lunch and, and this is just an example, but Jones, you know, he, he asked Andy, he says, do me a favor and tell me what you're eating and where you're eating at. And Andy's like, well, goofball. I mean, the same thing you are being a sausages and sardines sitting in the sand at the, you know, and Jones says, well, I'm sitting on the beach eating surfing turf. And so just a little change of perspective will change how we see life. And man, when you can put on rose colored glasses and look at something differently, it will change everything for you, you know? And, and so in this book, we talk a lot about changing how you think, uh, which will change what you think and what you think will change how you act and then how you act. Well, I mean, it just is through this whole progression of really changing a person's life. Uh, there's, you know, a handful of characters in here that, that Jones walks with through the entire book and he, he works with them on their marriages and he works with them on parenting and he works with them on their finances and uh, their businesses. And I mean, he's, you know, he's working with a lady that feels like her mother is such a burden because she's got Alzheimer's and he, he just flips it on her, on, on her end and talks about how there's lessons that she is learning from her mother if she would only open her eyes that her mother is still teaching her even in her days of alzheimer's you know he's he works with uh, or he he visits with a gentleman that's losing his wife she's about to pass away and he talks to him about how death is not this thing to be so afraid of you know that that we're only in this world temporarily and our once we pass over it's it's almost like being reborn again and so it just really changes how a person sees things and i mean we're just gonna we're just gonna dive deep he's there are so many nuggets of wisdom in this book even andy's uh commended me on finding so many nuggets he's i don't even remember writing that you know and so which tickled me uh that he felt i'd done i guess a good job on on putting this together and uh, very humbling, I'm going to tell you, but, you know, I mean, there were, there were passages in this book that he probably was just trying to get from point A to point B and he threw something out that it was just life-changing. I mean, it, it literally, if you just take it and apply it, it could be life-changing for somebody. Yeah. I gotta but you and I both know he's that kind of writer too. I mean, he just, <laughs> there's a reason he is the one, like one of my favorite writers, my favorite author, because it's like one, you know, the, the fact that I have dyslexia, it makes reading, you know, more of a challenge. And Andy writes in a story style. It's almost like a fable, but it's a long fable, (laughs) but it's also engaging, you know, like a fable, you may see it as like childish. This is applicable to an adult 
So, you know, where I'm, I'm struggling like with my identity or my finances or relationships, it's stuff that's applicable to my life. And I can look at it just like you're talking about and draw the wisdom from it. And so that's where it's like, I love it on so many levels because it's not just like, Oh, that's great. That's ethereal. That's a nice thought. It's like, no, dude, you can apply this to your life and your proof that you, you can and have, you know, um, from, from what you've brought out in it. So, um, when is the class and, and how do people get, you know, get enrolled in it? Yeah. Uh, so my class is the first one to start. It's, it starts May 17th. We've got another one starting May 19th, which is just two days later, but if they'll go to andyandrews.com slash skills, it will take them to the main page to see all six courses. Uh, again, I'd love you to join me for the notice of returns, but man, I, I think, if you'll look through every one of those classes, one of them is going to speak to you and, and you'll know which one you need to take right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we're, you know, we've got a few seats left in all of them and we'd just love for to have them completely full and a, a start a waiting list for the next one. That sounds great. Yeah. So, Chris, my friend, how can people reach out and connect with you outside of the podcast? Uh, we have not gotten our, my website up and running yet, but uh, outside of, of, through Andy Andrews, you can find me on Facebook. I have a fairly public presence there on my profile. Uh, also, Chris at marriageprosperity.com is my email. Feel free to email me. Uh, and that's a long email, and I apologize, but it's easy to work out, I think. Yeah, it definitely is. Well, Chris, thank you for joining me and sharing. Like, dude, the rug can be ripped right out from underneath us, and our identity becomes a question, but it's like, you can get clarity on that. You can get clarity on your finances and, you know, getting clarity on your marriage and your finances changes everything because they're so tied in together. So my friend, I appreciate you coming and joining me looking forward to the training with the notice or returns. And uh, yeah, thanks. Thanks so much for being here today, Chris. Thank you, Mike. Thanks so much, my friend, for joining me on another episode. If you found the information within the show helpful, please leave a review on the platform you're listening to. It helps raise the show's visibility so other men can join us in breaking free. See you on the next episode. And remember to continue putting yourself out there. Have a great one.